This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Since 2020, a local roller skating epidemiologist has made TikTok videos to counter COVID-19 misinformation and also provide a platform for important public service announcements like this one. Hey, Dr. Cat epidemiologist, you probably heard in the news that the Biden administration is making free at-home COVID tests available, and I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do to get your... She has over 249,000 followers and 4.2 million likes. And in case you haven't seen her videos yet, I'm referring to Katrine Wallace. She's a professor of epidemiology at the University of Illinois at Chicago, and she joins us now for our weekly Chicago Innovators series. Hi, Katrine. Great to have you back on the program. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me. So bring us back. Remind us why exactly you started making these COVID-related TikTok videos. Yeah, so I started making um, content. Well, actually, I started downloading. I downloaded TikTok at the beginning of the pandemic at this kind of for the same reason everybody else did, because I wanted to just kind of pass the time during the lockdown. I was bored and I just wanted to scroll mindless content. And in addition to seeing videos of people's dogs and food and things, I was also unfortunately seeing a lot of COVID-19 misinformation. So Along the way, somehow I started making my own content because I just got increasingly upset seeing the misinformation. And so here we are almost two years later and I'm still doing it. (laughs) Well, a lot of people are grateful that you're still doing it because, uh, you know, they've messaged you and and told you that your videos encourage them to to get the shot. How does that feel when you read those messages? You know... It's it's very so there's a lot of putting yourself out there in a very public forum talking about vaccination brings a lot of mixed reviews obviously like I get a lot of nasty I get a lot of nasty messages and a lot of you know kind of trolling but I also get like you're saying a lot of positive messages that like hey I showed your video to my mom and she decided to get vaccinated I saw you know my co-workers were anti-vax and then you know the way you explained this to them made sense mm-hmm. and I think that you know just explaining things kind of on a very simple level because I, I, I try to become a liaison between the scientific literature and just everyday people that aren't going to read that right mm-hmm. and that maybe the guidelines are very complicated mm-hmm. um, to follow so I try to to boil it down so it really is meaningful to people so they can make good data-driven decisions for themselves and their families. Yeah, well, I, I think even with this pandemic, uh, there were just so many new words, right? Uh, things yeah. that, new terms that we just hadn't, we hadn't heard of before. And then you get into the science of it, you get into testing, PCR, antigen, all these things yeah. that how on earth Am I supposed to know that? <laughs> Correct. Yeah, even before the pandemic, people didn't know what an epidemiologist was when I would be at a party or something. I would just say I'm a scientist because it would inevitably provoke a long conversation about what is an epidemiologist that I didn't really feel like having. But now we have made it. We are household names. <laughs> You're famous now. Yeah, exactly. With or without the TikToks. So how do you work to, to build credibility? with the people viewing your videos? So everything I ever talk about on my channel, I have a link in my bio on my, all my social media channels. I have a link 
And if you click that link, there's um, it goes to a link tree that has all the evidence behind everything I'm saying. So if I'm talking about, you know, the efficacy of the vaccine or something in children 12 to 17, if you click on that, you can find the New England Journal of Medicine article in that age group where I'm drawing this data from. And I'm, I'm boiling it down from that article, but people who want to look at the evidence or that I actually have evidence behind what I'm saying can go and look there. And I also feel like another way, so that's like the scientific way to build evidence, but I also think that people seeing me as a real person helps. So I talk about my house and that I'm a mom and I, you know, show my hobbies, like you said, roller skating and riding scooters and, and music and things that I like. Because I think if people see you as a real person, they don't see you as like this, you know, talking head pushing vaccines on them or something. You know, they, they understand that, you know, science is one part of my life, but it's not my whole life mm-hmm. that I'm a normal human being as well. You see, even talking to you now, you still sound enthusiastic about all of this. So, so how, <laughs> after almost three years into this pandemic, <laughs> do you counter fatigue? Yeah, it is. You do get fatigue, but like you were saying before, I get positive feedback all the time, and I do feel like I have a public health impact doing these videos that I wouldn't have any other way. So it does kind of keep me going, knowing that it's helping. And I feel like everything that you, even my, and it's it's nice too, because some of the people that have followed me from the beginning are now making their own videos or, you know, kind of telling me things that they're doing in their own. So it sort of has ripple effects. And I feel like this community I've built has been really positive and, and we've we've really achieved a lot, I think. All right, well, let's play another clip. This is from one of your videos from early January. And and here you're responding to a question about the IHU variant. So first of all, it's not exactly new. It was detected around the same time as Omicron in a traveler that had recently traveled to France from Cameroon. The WHO closely monitors all of the variants, and the only variants that have been added to the variants of concern list are the ones you already know about. And this variant's parent lineage is right here on the variants under monitoring list, which basically means that this variant could pose a future risk, but that there's no epidemiological evidence of that happening now. See, there are so many angles to understand (laughs) about this virus. And unfortunately, there's lots of misinformation, too. So how do you decide what you're going to cover? Yeah, so what, you know, my my followers pretty much will dictate what I'm going to cover because people send me things all the time. Like, can you look at this? Is this correct? Is this, because like you said, there is a lot of misinformation and some of the misinformation sounds like it's credible, right? So, you know, and you kind of have to be a professional sometimes to be able to wade through and say, oh, you know what? No, that that study was not designed very well. And that's, you know, So I get a lot of things sent to me, and if I get something sent to me like 50 times a day or something, then I know I need to cover it. And that IHU variant clip that you just played, Mm -hmm. like sometimes when new variants are detected and and reported in the media, you know, my followers get very nervous that we're going to have like a whole new part of the pandemic or, you know, that they don't realize sometimes like the media will report something 
and that, you know, it's not necessarily something we need to freak out about. And so I do a lot of reassurance videos like that on my base where yeah. it's like the new bird flu that was detected, you know, don't worry, we've not seen any in humans yet or, you know, like that kind of, I do a lot of that sort of like talking people down. How do you feel about that, Dr. Cat, having to do that? Because I imagine you have to do that pretty regularly. <laughs> Change that narrative, right? Talk people off of uh, the fear. Yeah, there is a lot. A lot of people are scared. They, you know, every time there's a, like I said, every time there's a new thing reported, they think it's going to be like a new Delta variant or a new Omicron or something like that. And, you know, there, one thing that people need to understand is that viruses mutate all the time and that not all those mutations will become a variant and not all those variants will become something that's going to overtake Omicron, you know, so we just need to all kind of relax until there's actual data that says we should worry about something. (laughs) Yeah, and even preparing for your segment, we also got uh, a voice message uh, from a a listener wondering the same thing, if if this high level of contagion from Omicron is going to lead to more variants that are potentially more contagious. So folks are worried about the next variant because it it just, it feels like we have to be. Yes, and, that, and it, it's it's true that that could happen, and that's why we really need to focus on vaccinating the unvaccinated population here in the U.S. and also all over the world because there are certain parts, vaccine equity in the world is really important because even if we vaccinate our own country to 100%, if we have countries with a large reservoir of unvaccinated people, then that's how variants can occur. So we need to make sure every we're not safe until we're all safe. Yeah. Something that you do really well in your videos, Dr. Kett, is you validate legitimate questions and then you provide the information to to answer the questions. Why is that important? Um, So there's there's vaccine hesitancy exists on a continuum. And so there's people that will never get vaccinated no matter what I say. And then there's people that lined up the first week, healthcare workers, you know, who were right in line getting it. And neither of those groups are really who I'm talking to with my videos. Like, I'm pretty much targeting the people in the middle who have questions. Mm -hmm. And those people that have questions, when they hear misinformation or scary information, it causes that group to delay. And putting them, that puts themselves at health risk, right, by delaying vaccination, by delay, you know, maybe they think, you know, masks are dangerous because they read something on a forum that was not correct on Facebook or something. And so we have to be, I, I try to be respectful of and meet people where they are. One of the tenets of public health is that you really should meet people where they are because that's how behavior change happens. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, my guest for our weekly Chicago Innovators series is Katrine Wallace. She's an epidemiologist, also a professor at UIC, and she's turned to TikTok to counter misinformation. You know, Dr. Kat, the last time that we had you on the program, at the time you said that one of the biggest myths you dealt with was that vaccines caused infertility. Right. Is this yes. misinformation still widespread today? It is. Um, there is definitely less so than then. I, I've noticed that the misinformation about vaccines kind of goes in cycles. And they, and I think it's because, you know, someone prominent will say something. And I think maybe when I was on the last time, it was around the time of like the Nicki Minaj, like her, when she was making comments about the vaccine causing something. her cousin in Trinidad, yeah. <laughs> something I think that was around that time. Um, 
Yeah, so it's like when someone, like an influencer or somebody will say something, it will then have like ripple effects throughout social media and, pe- you know, people will re- repost things. And so I've noticed that a lot of times I'll end up debunking things that I've debunked back in like 2020 because somebody mentioned it or something and then it kind of rears its ugly head again. So it, yeah. it is interesting how that works. What are you hearing that's circulating right now that's misinformation that you might think is most concerning? Yeah, right now the misinformation that we're mostly dealing with is that the vaccine is like people are afraid to vaccinate kids because they think the vaccine, the mRNA vaccines will cause their children to have like permanent heart damage or something from myocarditis. But the problem with that is that there is so much more myocarditis from actual covid infection and it's a worse more severe kind of myocarditis that actually can cause permanent heart damage Mm -hmm. so we really are preventing that by vaccinating and it's a very it's a it's a it's kind of a it's misinformation that's fueled by a misconception of the actual dangerous risk of myocarditis after covid what do you wish collectively we all understood about covid right now What I really wish everyone understood is that we can't solve community problems with individual solutions. And we've tried this throughout this entire pandemic. People that say, oh, you know what, I'm not going to wear a mask, but if you want to, then you can go ahead and wear one. Or if your vaccine works, then why do you care if I get one? Like these kind of like it doesn't affect me. It only affects you kind of like we all need to work together to get out of this. And um That's really what I wish we could get to. Do you get a lot of questions about masks? I do get a lot of questions about masks, especially now that the CDC has um, last week, you know, said that we should be wearing better masks like the N95, KN95 respirator type masks. So I've got that has people with children especially have a lot of mask questions. So Mm -hmm. I I do a lot of that. On my live streams, we talk about masks a lot, actually. Um, And I understand it because I'm a mom with a kid in school, so I I get that it's important and I I completely empathize. Do you use your videos in your classes at UIC or or maybe your colleagues? I do not. I have not. I I try to just focus on on what I'm teaching and not try to to take too much away. But my students do follow me. Do they? (laughs) (laughs) It's not a course requirement, right? Yeah, some of them follow me on Twitter, and, like, it's it's fun, yeah. But, uh, I mean... Yeah, I should make it a requirement. You yeah. need to like my post. Put it right there on the syllabus. Um, <laughs> exactly. But all jokes aside, Dr. Kat, do you think TikTok can actually be a, a permanent tool for, for public health? Are we on you to know, something? I, I think that right now it works really well because... So social media platforms tend to amplify kind of sensational viral content, right? So if you if if posts are about something that's timely, they tend to do more they, they tend to get farther reach cuz more people like them or share them or you know kind of if you talk about just if I went on there right now and just did a video about like, you know, epidemiology research, that wouldn't do so well because it's not like a hot topic. So I feel like right now COVID is sort of trending, has been for the last couple of years, so it's working really well. So whether I can pivot and kind of stay relevant on there, we'll see. But, I I mean, I probably won't go anywhere because it's not like the 
medical misinformation is going anywhere and it's not like it's a new thing. <laughs> can you, before I let you go, can you tease what's coming up next on your, your topic list, your TikTok list? Right. Oh, I want to, I actually, speaking of math, the, the, the video I'm kind of scripting right now to do is just how you can tell if you have a counterfeit mask because everybody's worried about that, about buying fake ones on accident or something. Right. So I want to make sure that I can kind of give people some reassurance there. Yeah, that'll be useful because a lot of us are seeing masks that we bought months ago. Now that we're in Omicron, those same masks, you know, have skyrocketed in price and, and sometimes different distributors. And you're just you're wondering, exactly. is it? the same is this legit so very good advice i'll look out for that tiktok that is dr katrine wallace epidemiologist and professor at uic thank you so much for joining us want more context on the top issues of the day find the podcast wbez's reset wherever you listen